Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love each one of us with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, you have drawn us and you are drawing us and you will continue to draw us. And Lord, we want your image in us. We want to be prepared to worship you face to face. And not only that, but we want to bring many others into the presence of your glorious uh, throne in heaven. And so we ask, Father, for that revival of our own hearts. Father, we don't approach the study of your word casually. We realize that only your Holy Spirit can rightly teach us all things as Jesus promised us. And so we ask for the special gift of the person of your Holy Spirit to fill this place in our hearts as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. By way of introduction, my name is Richard Constantinescu, and I'm a native of Hinsdale, Illinois. I was born in Hinsdale Hospital. My parents immigrated uh, in the mid-70s, and I'm a former New Ager, so uh, I drifted off the path considerably. In Isaiah 8, verse 20, it says, to the law... And to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And in the context of that verse, it talks about the wizards that peep and that mutter. And I'm so glad that the word of God does not need updating. That we have clear, clear words and instruction from God. And we don't need any muttering. Amen? We can have the straight truth, and you know, as we look at technology, we're going to be recording this lecture. By God's grace, please pray that the technology works. Um, but uh, we need to update technology very frequently, and you see these old, outdated things that looked so new, but the Word of God does not need updating. And it's just so wonderful, um, and so I'm, I'm just so thankful uh, not to be with the wizards that peep and that mutter, but I'm with God's people today uh, who want a clear word um, from His Scriptures. Today's topic is Revival Plan, the Elijah Solution. Revival means life again, revive. And there is more blessing than we have ever experienced. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And there's nothing special about Peter James, John, any of the apostles. Amen? They had certain offices, and those offices need to be respected, and yet the Holy Spirit is given without boundary. Think about the early Advent movement in the 1830s, 40s. The Scandinavian children, young children, five and six years old, they would stand up on the tables when their parents couldn't preach and when the pastors couldn't labor, and they delivered the three angels, or the first angel's message. And they preached with power because the Holy Spirit does not know boundaries. In fact, I live next to a donkey. And if the Holy Spirit can speak through a donkey, then He can speak through you and me. And we need to, to ask for that experience. So revival, we want that revival, that primitive revival. That's our point. We're going to talk about how... We can experience that through the Elijah message. Elijah was very unpopular with some people. And yet, uh, we know that God only sends messages 
of reproof when they are positively needed and when a great blessing will come. And so we're, we're going to talk about the Elijah solution. And the picture that you see on, a screen, on the screen here is to illustrate how important God's messages are. Tomas Martinez was a man in Bolivia who was running from the law. And anytime he saw police coming, true story, you can read about it in the newspapers. Every time he saw police coming, he would always uh, try to evade them. And Tomas didn't know that they were actually bringing him good news. But he was a derelict, he was an alcoholic, he would just uh, drink his money, do a little few odd jobs for some coins and, and just go and waste it on some uh, alcohol. And so every time he saw police, he remembered that he had written some bad checks. And so he didn't want to get caught for those bad checks, and so he evaded them. He didn't know that the wife that he had been married to for a brief time and had divorced, but the divorce was never finalized, had inherited $6 million dollars. And she had died. And he was the only heir to that money. And they were looking for him high and low, and he kept on evading them, and they never found him. How sad. When God sends Elijahs, when God sends messages and messengers of rebuke, when he sends the law, you know, Malachi chapter 4, if you'll go with me there, it talks about how... God would send Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And it's because he wants to bless us. Amen? Amen. We need the reproof of God's messages. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, it says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Fact. This is not opinion. This is going to happen. The good news is that God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He has given His own Son to take the punishment of the world upon Him. And so the iniquity of us all was laid upon Jesus. He does not want us to suffer this. And yet it's a fact that those that do not receive the gospel will have to go through this judgment. And it's our work as Seventh-day Adventists, to preach the three angels' messages to the world so that we can warn them of the impending destruction. It's an unpopular message. Noah was not the favorite fireside preacher of the Antediluvians. He was not welcomed, and yet it is a very important message that we preach that the hour of his judgment is come, and there is a way out. Verse 2 says, But unto you that fear my name, so the first angel's message is what? Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment is come. Can you see the parallel between verses 1 and 2 of Malachi 4 and the first angel's message? So there's a judgment in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, and then it says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with what? Healing. Now the word for healing is often translated as salvation in Scripture. Salvation. Healing and salvation. God 
wants to save and heal us and he wants to prepare us for his coming to avoid the fires of hell in verse 1 we need to have the son of righteousness arise so that we are healed the purpose for jesus coming was very simple the purpose for jesus coming was to save us from our sins and this is the message that we have to give to the world that we have a savior who is able to transform our hearts and prepare us for the great day when Jesus comes. Verse 3 says, You shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember, it says, verse 4, and we're going to talk about Scripture memorization later on in other lectures this week. For those that stick with this revival plan through to the last day, I'll give you a special memory pack with some verse cards. And we'll be talking about practical ways to memorize Scripture. I'm, as I said, I'm a former New Ager, and the way that I was able to get rid of uh, the addiction of spiritualism, which is very difficult to get rid of, is the power of the Word of God in the heart. Amen. Remembering the Word of God. I had actually taken so much LSD that I was, I was taking it every weekend and, and as much as I could, um, whenever I could, I uh, started to, to, to sell it even as a teenager. And I was literally hallucinating for years after I stopped taking it. And my purpose of taking it so much was so that I would constantly have this spiritual, I took it for spiritual reasons, these drugs. And uh, you know, the devil, he's a liar. He can't come and, he can't come and deceive us uh, often unless our minds are compromised. So he usually, he usually mixes his deceptions with these substances. And the only way that really I got over that uh, was through hiding and remembering the Word of God. So it's very important. Only those who have fortified their minds with the words of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein. There's nothing new under the sun. You are not special and I am not special apart from other human beings in the sense of having some challenge that God has not already provided a solution for. God has given us everything that we need and He's given it to us in His Word and through the messages of the prophets and we need to remember and go back if we find ourselves straying. Verse 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, Elijah the prophet. My God is Jehovah, my God is Yahweh, the eternal one, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What's the purpose of Elijah? The solution of having the healing in the, the wings of Christ, the Son of Righteousness. What is the purpose of Elijah to come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord? It says in verse 6, he shall what? He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Aren't you glad that God has not left us to simply turn on our own volition? That we have help from God to turn us. Can he help us in our church, in the challenges that we're facing? Can he help us in our families, in our local churches, conferences, unions, divisions? He can absolutely turn us because he is the Savior. And he has a solution, and it is the Elijah solution. 
He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with the curse. Let's go to verse 1 of chapter 3 in Malachi and explore this Elijah theme a little bit more. It says in verse 1, Behold, I will send my, what? Messenger. And he shall prepare the way before me. So in ancient times, when a king went out, and even today, when a president goes out, the, the secret service and the people that are in charge of the logistics, they go forth, forth before this head of state and they make sure that the way is clear. There's no roadblocks, no obstacles. They don't want to get to a place where they have to turn the whole thing around. And so they make sure that everything is clean. If there's a pothole, they fill it in. If there's an obstruction, they remove it. And so in Isaiah chapter 40, it says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And that was a prophecy of Elijah. Because John the Baptist said that he was a voice crying in the wilderness, referring to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, or verse 4. And Jesus said, if you can receive it, this is Elijah. So we'll, we'll go to those texts later in Matthew chapter 11. But it says, Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem and cry unto, her, cry unto her. And he was a voice crying in the wilderness. Friends, it takes preparation to meet the God who created every atom in this universe. We need to make some changes, some reformatory decisions in our lives in response to the testimonies that God has given to us. And we need to share this information with others because this is the greatest test that has ever come upon mankind, meeting the creator of the universe face to face, which no one has done in mortal flesh and lived. And so before Jesus comes, the messenger of the Lord is sent to prepare the way. And the Lord, it says in verse one of chapter three of Malachi says, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Question to those scholars. When did the Lord suddenly come to his temple in the context of the day of his coming? Verse 2, just before the day of his coming, when did the Lord Jesus go to his temple? Where in the Bible can we find that story? It says he was like a refiner's fire, so this has to be where he cleanses the temple. Yes. So, uh, in the Bible, there's a prophecy of the Lord coming to his temple. Which chapter would that be? Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Let's go there. We'll come back to Malachi chapter 3. He came suddenly and unexpectedly. God's people were waiting for him on earth, thinking that, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, meant that he would cleanse the earth with fire. And that was a presupposition, that was a prejudicial uh, idea. Because all the churches at that time believed that the earth was the sanctuary. But there's no biblical evidence for that. Amen? Clearly says that John saw the sanctuary in heaven and that uh, Paul talks about in Hebrews chapter 8. It is in heaven. And so Daniel chapter 7, here Jesus comes... When there's a judgment, verse 9 says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, the Ancient of Days to sit. 
did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. So the ancient of days, God the Father makes no mistakes. He has all the righteousness. He knows what the truth is. We can be sure that he can figure out our lives. Amen? He can help us with any situation. And then it says, verse 10, that the judgment was set in the last part of verse 10, and the books were opened. So here's a judgment. And the law of God is the foundation of the judgment. So in the book of James, it says the law of liberty that we will be judged by. And it quotes from the Ten Commandments. So the, the law of God, which is love to him and love to man, is going to be the basis for the judgment. And then the books are open, which record the actions and the thoughts and the motives of all of the creatures of earth. Verse 11, uh, dropping down actually to verse 13, John, uh, Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the who? Son of, son of man. And this is Jesus Christ. One like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven. Jesus used this phrase to describe himself throughout his ministry, son of man. He came with the clouds of heaven and he came to the earth. Is that what it says? No, it says came to the ancient of days. Now the Lord is in his holy temple, the Bible says. His throne is in heaven. And this is a scene that happens in heaven. And Jesus comes to the ancient of days. They brought him near before him. And it says that verse uh, 26, the judgment shall sit. And then verse 27, the kingdom and dominion, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And so the purpose of this judgment is to see who is going to take the kingdom. Amen? That's the purpose, is to look at the character and say, who can I give? God wants to give this kingdom to us. Amen? This is what Jesus said in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to what? Give you the kingdom. Amen? So this Father is seated here. He's not seated here to try to keep us out of heaven. He is seated here so that He might find any possible way to prepare us to pass that test. Amen? Now, it is a big test, brothers and sisters, and it takes preparation. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's very important that we understand that this is not something that we will just trip and end up into heaven. Amen? We're not going, that's not going to happen. Jesus said that straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life and few there be that find it. And he talked about the importance of surrendering everything. But friends, don't worry. Whatever God is asking you to give up for him, whatever he is asking you to do for him is a light burden compared to the glory which he will give you while you bear that burden. And so uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it talks about this preparation. We'll start with verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now we're having wonderful uh, blessings here at camp meeting here, but friends, this world is full of sorrow. 
there, is t there are terrible, terrible things happening right now. People are sick. People are discouraged. They're tempted. They're addicted. They're abusing others. They're being abused. And there is so much terror. It's just, it's, it's horrible and sinful on this planet. And God wants to recreate this planet and change it. So verse 13 says, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now think with me. If this earth that's coming is going to only have righteousness in it, what needs to happen to our hearts before Jesus comes? We need to be the new creations. Amen? So 2 not Chronicles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. Creature, if you pronounce that differently, it's creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation or creature. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. Revelation chapter 21, the same thing. Old is passed away. The new is come in. God wants to continually take our characters and go from glory to glory, that we might be ready to live in the new earth. That's the reason why God sends His messengers and His messages through the prophets, through Elijah, John the Baptist, the spirit of prophecy today, the testimonies for the church, is so that we might inherit that $6 million inheritance that we talked about earlier, so to speak. That we might have the kingdom given to us. And so we should ask, Lord, please guide me and show me. Trim the things from my life. Help me to have a reformation because we cannot have revival without reformation. That's the Elijah message. Back to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. The Lord whom ye seek, verse 1, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So the messenger of the covenant, John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the messenger of the Lord. He was more than a prophet. And he came before the first coming to turn the hearts of those who were seeking after the world to their heavenly Father. And he preached a straight message. And so the spirit of prophecy today, the testimonies for the church, and the writings of the spirit of prophecy, they are preparing a people, not for the first coming, when Jesus comes as a lamb for the slaughter, but they are preparing us for the second coming when He is coming with the clouds of glory. He is sending a messenger, the messenger of the Lord, to prepare the way. John the Baptist or Elijah, verse 2, But who may abide the day of His coming? And who shall stand when He appeareth? For He is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify who? the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So he shall sit. So when Jesus came to the most holy place in Daniel chapter 7, I saw in the night visions, Daniel, Daniel said, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And the Ancient of Days is seated on a 
throne, right? Seated on a throne. The thrones were cast down. The judgment was set. The books were opened. And so Jesus comes in suddenly to his temple, unexpected to his people on earth, and he sits down, and right now he is involved in the work of the judgment. And the purpose is to purify us. Here it talks about a corresponding work of cleaning the hearts of his people while he is cleansing the heavenly sanctuary. All right, did you follow? Daniel chapter 8 says, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. God must have a clean people before he can seal them. He must clean us and praise his name. He is able to do that. Friends, don't look at your own sins. Accept to know that you have them and look to Jesus. Look to his messages. Look to his rebukes. Don't shy away from the straight testimony of the scriptures and the prophets. If something hurts, it's for your good. He wants to clean us, to purify us, so that when He comes in glory, we have nothing to hide. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a wonderful thing in innocency. Whenever I used to see a police car being a rebellious young teenager, I used to run. (laughs) I mean, it was like, quick, you know, turn the corner. And now when I see a police car, I remember I was doing Bible work before I was a pastor down in Virginia, and I went to this town that uh, was one day full of police cars and there were police cars everywhere and they were doing some raid or something. I don't know what was happening, but it made me nervous. And you know why it made me nervous? I went into the the gas station and someone told me, they said, be careful, the cops are out. And I thought, I'm worried about the reason why they're here. That's the reason I'm worried. (laughs) Okay, so I bring them on, you know, (laughs) however many you need to send. I want to be innocent when Jesus comes. So we need to be refined and purified as gold and silver. Notice that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now Samuel said to obey is better than what? To sac- than sacrifice. Now that may include giving of our wealth. That may include giving of our time and our talents and our influence. But essentially, God wants to help us to offer ourselves up as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto Him, which is our reasonable service. Like I said before, there's nothing special about Peter, James, and John. Welcome. So glad you could join us. So there's nothing different about you or me than anybody in the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit knows no boundaries. There is no limit, we're told, to the usefulness of one who laying self aside makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. He can clean us and we need to be seeking that. Notice verse 4, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem, God's people, be pleasant unto the Lord as when? In the days of old and as in former years. Stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and you will find rest unto your souls. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. The days of old, we will find rest unto our souls. This is talking about a revival 
of primitive godliness. Primitive. What does primitive mean? It means prime or first. So here, then when he purifies us, then our offering and to obey is better than sacrifice, right? Our offerings and also that may include giving. Okay, the next, you know, if you if you go to verse eight, it says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. So it may include physically giving. However, it goes much deeper than that. Christ wants our hearts. He wants everything about us. And when we believe that he has offered us revival, that he is seated in the judgment in order to prepare us to receive the kingdom and we're willing to make any sacrifice for him, only if he refines us and blesses us and and is with us, then we will receive the early and the latter rain. Notice at the end of chapter 4, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Elijah's message is the Laodicean message. Notice very carefully. 1 Kings 18.21 Elijah stands upon Mount Carmel. There was iniquity and apostasy in Israel. There was idolatry. There was the basest heathenism happening. Friends, do not get discouraged when you see apostasy in God's remnant church. People try to tell me, oh yeah, we've passed the line. And uh, people try to tell me, I'm repeating myself because we're uh, getting the camera reset right now. Um, people try to tell me, we've, we've crossed the line and, and we're, we're, we're too rebellious as a people that God is now calling a, a, new, a new remnant. And my answer is, show me where we are worse than the church in the days of Elijah. God has a solution for our rebellion. And we do not need to worry. He has his fingers on the pulse of our church. And he has a very important message called the Laodicean message in Revelation 3. And it's the same message as you see right now in 1 Kings 18. Elijah stands and before the rain, the refreshing, the reviving, everything was dead, representing the deadness of soul that Israel had in apostasy against God. The judgments of God were upon Israel. No fruit, lots of evangelism, and a small handful of fruit. I mean, look, they had to be eating something from somewhere, right? People don't live for three and a half years without having some food, right? There was something somewhere, and they they scrounged it up. And, you know, our evangelism needs some rain. We need the showers of blessing. But before we get to getting on our knees and praying for the showers of blessing, friends, we need Elijah. Because the first thing that Elijah did was not ask for rain. Because the whole reason why rain was withheld was so that Israel could be brought to make a total surrender to God. And so he starts, he goes, in 1 Kings 18, he goes, to the people, he says, first he asks Ahab, he says, gather to me all Israel. There needs to be a plan for revival. It's our greatest need. What's our plan? You know, we don't just pray about evangelism. 
We actually have to make plans and we have to execute. Now we must pray. And I start prayer groups wherever I go and I have amazing experiences with God, that God has shown himself mighty in response to prayer. I've seen him work and prayer is absolutely vital. No revival without prayer. But there are other parts to Elijah's story besides prayer. He calls all of Israel. He says, I want everybody there. Why does he call all Israel? He doesn't trust just the prophets of Baal and the king and his entourage. He wants everyone. Amen? And so we'll see this later on in the story. He calls them all to Mount Carmel. And this is his message first to the people before the revival, before the rain, which is a type of what God is going to do and is doing, I believe, here at the end of time through the spirit of prophecy today. He calls for a wholehearted decision. And he asks, how long are you halting between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If you will be hot, then be hot. But if Baal, then follow him. If you're cold, be cold. But don't halt and be lukewarm. You've got to make a decision to follow the Lord with all your heart. Jesus had this as a prerequisite before people followed him. Jesus didn't, you know, there's a, there's a church sign where I live in Oklahoma where I'm a pastor at another church and it says, come as you are. Big letters. And then there's a little sign next to the door and it says, no smoking. <laughs> Friends, we come as we are to God, but when we come into his fellowship and in his presence, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, some things need to stay at the door. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that. I'm sorry, second, uh, yes, Hebrews chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians 6, both, um, says, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. God wants to cleanse us and to, and to do a, a, a mighty work of reformation in our lives. No more in the middle. We need to choose. And so this is the Laodicean message. I know your works, that you're halting between two opinions. This is the Elijah message. Now, friends, follow me very closely. John the Baptist, Jesus said, if you can receive it in Matthew chapter 11, is Elijah. Are you following? He shall prepare the way before the first coming. He said in the same chapter, in Matthew chapter 11, in verse 9, that John the Baptist was more than a prophet and he was the messenger of the Lord. So we have more than a prophet. We have messenger of the Lord, and we have the uh, the, uh, the lesser light pointed to the greater light in John chapter 1. So in John chapter 1, it says, John the Baptist was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. He was sent to bear witness. And the moon was put, it says in Psalms, to bear witness in heaven. Because where you see the moon, 
you know that the sun is shining because it has light from the sun. So John the Baptist came before the first coming, was the messenger of the Lord, was more than a prophet, and was the lesser light pointing to the greater light. Does that sound familiar to you? Has God given a gift to the remnant church in harmony with Malachi chapter 3? Behold, I will send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. He's going to sit and he's going to purify the sons of Levi. And there's a messenger preaching the straight testimony. Has God given our church the spirit of prophecy? Friends, do not be ashamed of that gift. It is the gift of Elijah to this church. It is the testimony of Jesus. In Revelation 12, 17, it says, The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed for two reasons, which, one, keep the commandments of God, and two, have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which, according to Revelation 19.10, is the spirit of prophecy. It is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Friends, the spirit of prophecy is not optional. It is not optional for us in the end of time. It is no more optional than Elijah was who never wrote any chapters of the Bible. It is no more optional than John the Baptist who was a non-canonical prophet. It doesn't mean that he was against the Scripture. It doesn't mean that he was in place of the Scripture. It means that he had a message from God to prepare the people of Israel for the coming of the Lord. And his message was extremely important and vital to the church accepting Jesus the first time. And in the same way, God has given the spirit of prophecy at the end of time to prepare us. Now, notice this, Revelation chapter 3. If you know the context, Revelation 3, go with me there. Revelation 3. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. By the way, what does the word Laodicean mean? Decaea means judgment and Laos means people. So the people of the judgment... The people judge. The people living during the judgment. And in fact, he threatens them with judgment. Why? Because he doesn't love them. No, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen? Look, if you stick with Jesus, no matter what the cost, if you follow him closely, if you say, Lord, we've forsaken all to follow you, we don't have anywhere else to go, Jesus is going to take you to the gates of paradise. Nothing is going to separate you from him. It doesn't matter what weapon Satan throws at you. It doesn't matter what trouble or temptation comes to you. It doesn't matter the hereditary nature that you have. He is going to give you victory because that is his name. Jesus, Yeshua, God is my salvation. He is going to take us all the way. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, those who are being judged while he is seated to purify a people, he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness so that our offering is as good as those of old. Amen? Amen. Friends, Abraham was like you and I, or you and me. He was. Abraham was a sinner saved by grace. David was like us. Huldah, Deborah, Esther, the same. 
Mary, Elizabeth, Anna, Simeon, all the apostles, the early church. This is the message that we have to give to people that you can become a son of God, a daughter of God. And we have to exemplify it in our own life. God is looking for people in His own image at the end of time, recreated by His Spirit. And He has a very special message called the Laodicean message, the Elijah message. And notice who is speaking in Revelation 3. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the kind of sorta, the maybe if, these things say the Amen. You can trust Jesus and His messages. These things say the Amen, the faithful and true what? Witness, a witness, friends, gives testimony. This is the testimony of Jesus to His church. The spirit of prophecy came here through John the Apostle. I was in the spirit, he said, on the Lord's day, which, by the way, according to Scripture, is the seventh day. There is no scripture anywhere in the Bible anymore that there is a scripture saying that the earth is the sanctuary that says that the first day is the Lord's day. It says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, my holy day in Isaiah 58. Mark 2, 27, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath day, of the Sabbath. And so that is the Lord's day. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Holy Spirit came, Revelation 1-1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel, by his spirit, by his angel. Angels are ministering spirits. By his angel unto his servant John. The, the Holy Spirit was coming down through from the Father to Jesus through his angel. There are three separate personalities in heaven. Amen. We know that because the Holy Spirit does not speak of Himself, but whatever He hears, He speaks. He receives from Christ and He shows it. Don't let anyone tell you, oh, it's just, it's, it's the representative of Jesus, but it's someone separate from Jesus in the sense of being a person. He doesn't speak of Himself, but whatever He hears from Jesus, He speaks. There's some confusion about that. We're going to get over it. Amen? Maybe. But, but it's very clear. It's very clear. It's a mystery, and yet we can, we can be sure that it's a separate entity. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit was speaking through the Revelator. Through the Revelator. And I know this because every message, every message to the church of the seven churches ends with these words. He that has an ear, and who's speaking, by the way? Who's dictating this to John? Who is giving a message? He's saying, write which thou seest. You know, he says, I turned and saw the voice that spake with the being turned. I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment. It's Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, verse 1 says. Jesus is giving this message to John, but he's giving it to him through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so each message to each church ends with these words. He that has an ear, let him hear what Jesus says to the churches. Actually, it says what the Spirit says to the churches. Because out of His mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so they're united. They work in harmony. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Father work in harmony together. And so He is the faithful and the true witness, and a witness gives testimony. And the testimony of Jesus, friends, is the Spirit of prophecy. Are you following? The Elijah message is the Laodicean message. 
Don't halt between two opinions. Elijah came with prophetic authority, being a non-canonical prophet, calling Israel to repentance. Just like John the Baptist before the first coming of the Lord and before the second coming of the Lord. And friends, we are right at the second coming of the Lord. Hurricane Harvey, I live down above Texas in Oklahoma, and we have a disaster rescue team that God has blessed us to be able to assemble, that God has been assembling. And we were able to go down to the flood areas of Hurricane Harvey down on the coast of Texas. It was a disaster area the size of New Jersey. I took this picture. It was truly catastrophic. And God moved in amazing ways. I wish I could tell you how He just paved the way for us to be able to go and distribute literature and pray with people and help them and give them things and, and minister to them. Um, an amazing ministry. If you want to know how to start one of these in your church, let me know and we will send people to you. It's just, and it's great for young people to get involved, to use their muscles, their brains, their expertise, etc. So we go down here. It was just catastrophic. We're told we should have a continual sense of the shortness of time and of the fearful events which prophecy has declared must speedily take place. It is because these truths are not made a reality that the life is so inconsistent with the truth which we profess. We are living in the day of judgment. This is the day of judgment that we're in right now. And God has a special message of preparation for us to prepare to meet Him and to prepare others. And we need to learn those messages. We need to read the testimonies. Soon after this, Puerto Rico looked like a bomb hit it. <coughs> Ophelia became the record 10th straight hurricane heading towards Europe. And Barbuda had no one living on it for the first time in 300 years. Followed by two quakes that shook southern Mexico, already coping with disasters. The worst shooting, mass shooting of civilians in U.S. history, leaving 59 dead in Las Vegas. California fires right on its heels. Deadliest week of fires in state history. Friends, if you are asleep, this is the week to wake up. We are living in the time just before Jesus comes. He has given us the opportunity to have Him reform our lives and to bless us. We're going to be talking about this throughout the week. I know it says the same, same title every day. It's going to be the same topic, but we're going to explore these truths. Terrible, terrible fires in California. The CDC Center for Disease Control, three sexually transmitted diseases hit record highs across the United States. It has never been a better time to be a law-abiding, Christ-filled Christian. I am so happy I have a faithful wife and I am so happy that God has taught me that He has a plan for marriage. It is wonderful. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And God has mercy for those that have transgressed and He can bless and help even in that situation. Amen? Amen. Dr. Thomas Andrew, Chief Medical Examiner of New Hampshire, the opioid epidemic. This man gave up his, he was the Chief Medical Examiner. He wasn't making a GLA salary. Okay? He wasn't making a conference salary. He wasn't making a, uh, a salary that probably most of us are uh, acquainted with. He was the chief medical examiner, and he said this. You'll understand why I'm talking about a salary shortly. He said, it's almost as if the Visigoths are at the gates, and the gates are starting to crumble, Dr. Andrew said. This is a scientist, okay? He said, I'm not an alarmist by nature. 
this is not overhyped. It has completely overwhelmed us. Overdose deaths piling up. Morgue papers to go through in paper boxes stacked up in the highway this tall. People losing their 18-year-old, their 15-year-old, their 25-year-old, 30-year-old mother of three to a terrible, ravaging opioid epidemic. In a sharp career turn, he is entering a seminary program. He quit his job as chief medical examiner of the state of New Hampshire. To go, God bless him, to ent- I don't know what seminary it was, but I can't fault him for his decision. If he was called, God bless him. Okay? God has people that he is waiting to call into the remnant church to pursue a divinity degree and ultimately plans to minister to young people to stay away from drugs. drugs. He gave away that career because he realized, look, we've got something more important on our hands than making lots of money and getting boats. We have more to do here. Oh, that we would wake up. Here are the boxes, the papers that need to go through. The largest fire in history, Menachino. Not only was it the worst week of fires, it was the largest fire. Greece. Was that fire close to the uh, That one was in Southern California. That fire was in uh, Mendocino, the Mendocino Complex fire, 290,000 acres. <clears throat> Greece, it was the hottest. This was uh, a year and a half ago, I believe. It's among the, it was among the hottest of Greece's uh, years on record, if not the hottest overall, according to the data that I looked at. But notice this, friends. If you do not think that we are really living in the days of judgment, if there was one sin above another that, which called for the destruction of the race by the flood, it was the base crime of amalgamation of man and beast, which defaced the image of God and caused confusion everywhere. And that is happening in many and varied forms. In fact, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Human-animal chimeras are gestating on U.S. research farms, a mix between the two. Now, friends, what hits the news is just the tiny little shaving of ice on the top of the water. What is happening? Every nation has science programs. When I was studying chemistry in college, I remember my professor telling me that Uh, Most people that take PhDs in chemistry do their PhDs in chemistry equipment. Because if you've ever seen just an undergraduate chemistry book, you know it's like almost as big to be a foundation for something. It's really thick. And she says, whoever actually does a PhD in actual chemistry instead of just chemical equipment and the laboratory things and how to study it, the government snatches them up right away. The smartest and the brightest, don't kid yourself, are bought up by the strongest nations on earth. They've got their teams out there looking. And there is a whole lot more happening with genetic engineering than we know about. ABC News, mixing humans and animals for science. Animal-human hybrids have long been the stuff of fairy tales and myths from the half-man, half-horse centaur to singing mermaids. 
Now the swift pace of genetic engineering has some worry that such mixed creatures known as chimeras, after the fabulous beasts of Greek mythology, are making the leap from the pages of fiction to reality. Friends, that was the line that God would not allow the antediluvians to cross any further when they got to a certain point, because those are His kids. And we're not doing that to my kids. I am not going to allow you to confuse the creation past a certain point. We are right on the borders of the promised land, friends. It is time for the Elijah message. It is not time for us to be anything other than fervently hot. And we have some tools to, to provide for you today that will help you in that because the Elijah message is the spirit of prophecy. Because it's the testimony of Jesus, the faithful and true witness not the kind of maybe sort of, but the amen, the truth. You can trust Elijah, you can trust John the Baptist, and you can trust the spirit of prophecy today. I'll show you some data. If you come back tomorrow, you'll be amazed. Some data that you probably have never seen before about how the spirit of prophecy is being authenticated in science. Come and bring your friends. By the way, this is precisely why I do not let my kids watch fiction because we think it's just some person's imagination and it's really laying the foundation for devilish ideas that it really doesn't matter. We can just mold everything the way that we want to mold it. We can't. We have a Creator and He has law and you are not supposed to do certain things. And this is just preparing the, all these fictional cartoons and these these shows, these supposedly kids' things, look, whatsoever things are true, that's the first gate it needs to go through to get to my kids. It's got to be true. Not everything true is good, but that's the first gate. Okay? There's a filtration system. First filter, second filter, third filter, etc. Okay? Honest, just, pure, lovely, whatsoever things you know, are upright, noble, lovely, of good report, think on these things. But this is happening. The swift pace of genetic engineering has some worried. We already talked about that one. This is a zebra and a horse, a zorse. Okay? This is just what we're seeing. Okay? This is just what's published. Do you understand? Okay? No one tells all their trade secrets, and the governments are not telling you all theirs. These are normal mammalian cells. They're genetic engin genetically engineered, according to a TED Talk that um, I watched, to have a bioluminescent gene taken from a deep see jellyfish, they incorporated this and made glow-in-the-dark pigs, mice, and cats. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, there's, there's some place that they're going to go where they mix, they, they mix the image of God. Okay? We were made in God's image. Yes. We are God's children. And that is a line that the Creator is going to step in at some point. And I believe it's soon because I'll just show you some of these. Uh, these, are, uh, these are all clones right here, but these are, actually, uh, these are actually mixes with multiple species. They're creating insect bots and animal bots where they're mixing robots with the brains of creatures and controlling them through their brains. So they can actually make this cockroach go left or right or forward or backwards with a joystick in another room. They use this for spying. But everything is like a snowball 
the greater the snowball gets, the more surface area, that the more velocity it goes down, and then the revolution of that snowball picks up much more snow with each turn. Okay, so you know uh, we'll get to CRISPR in a moment here, but they actually implanted this in a pupa, and it was developed as an insect bot, as a moth. It came out of the pupa. They didn't have to go get the moth and do surgery. They actually implanted it in the pupa. And they could put that pupa anywhere and do whatever they want, which, you know, everyone spies. I kind of smile when nations get all outraged at each other. We found them spying. <laughs> okay, that's bad. But <laughs> everyone does it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm fully American. I love this country. My parents escaped from socialist Romania. I'm very happy to be here. Amen. Amen. But my concern is that we're right on track with the antediluvians with some of the things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And some of these things and the genetic engineering and uh, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Here's a rat, a robo rat. Um, I can't go into all these details. I'm going to have to close here. We've got 30 seconds. Um, some amazing things, but suffice it to say, um, this is uh, from the TED Talk, CRISPR. Uh, you're looking at ACTG, which are the components of DNA, and basically the cost has gone so far down that they're very easily accessible for people to perform these experiments, and you just need a laboratory, and of course there's, you know, there's rules and ethics, and we know how Nations follow the rules of ethics and, and all that. All right. We're out of time. So I want to respect your time. But let me just recap. Jesus is coming soon. And he does not want any of us to be lost. But there's a real work of preparation that needs to happen in our hearts. And we are Laodicea. We need the spirit of prophecy. I know you may have heard... People say and quote the Spirit of Prophecy saying, well, if we had studied the Bible, we wouldn't need the Spirit of Prophecy. So me or I, I study the Bible. Okay, that's, like, that's like having a terminal illness and going to the doctor and the doctor says, if you had listened to my advice before, you wouldn't be in this position. But now that you are here, here is what you need to do. And you say, Oh, well, he said that if I had done what he had told me, then I wouldn't need this. So I don't need this. I'll just go do that. No, it's too late for that. <laughs> you need to just do what he says. Amen? So we've been given a special gift, and Jesus is standing at the door. You've each been given, hopefully, or on your way out. Please pick up this plan, and please come back tomorrow and bring friends. All right? You might think, where are they going to sit? We'll find places. Okay? Because we have to have a plan for revival. It can't just be ethereal. It's the most important work that we need to be a part of right now. God's people desperately need it. And the world is waiting for God's people to be revived. Hope you've enjoyed today. I'll take one question before we close. Good, no questions. All right, let's pray. Um, yes, and please sign up in the back. We do actually have a Testimonies for the Church reading plan, 10 pages a day in 16 months, you will be so profited by this, I cannot tell you. And you'll find out more on why you will be profited by it tomorrow. But sign up today. And it's just, we try to make it as easy as possible. You get an email every day with 10 pages, plus a link to audio. You can listen to it. In 16 months, you'll finish the whole Testimonies for the Church. 
Most people have never read this series. And Jesus is knocking on our door. Them that I love, he said, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore. So please zealously write your name on that sheet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to warn us. And Lord, help us not to resist your straight testimony. Help us to be willing to see what you have to offer in the Elijah message. Bless each one of us today, Lord. We thank you that it is your good pleasure that you would give us the kingdom. Please purify our hearts. You know the burdens that we carry, Lord. We entrust, Lord, we've all made poor decisions in our lives. And some of us are making better decisions now, and maybe we're deciding now that we're going to do that. But Lord, we need you because we need a Savior. We need your blessing. Bless us today. Give us what we need. And please bring a mighty revival to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.